Ball and Play 2 presented by DraftKings is underway. Head over to our Warehouse Games channel to see all the action from Ball and Play. Get some skin in the game and download the DraftKings app right now. Don't forget to use our promo code WAREHOUSE. That's promo code WAREHOUSE only at DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. All right, we're, we're live here. Hello and welcome to A Lot of Basketball. I'm Tom Piccolo and we're talking Knicks. Joining me today is podcast legend Jake Storielli. Talking talking Yanks, talking Knicks. I'm, I'm just talking, babe. And Kenny Poon. Kenny, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. Doing well. Yeah. To, uh, talk Knicks. Yeah, before we do, I'm, I'm Jake, how was your summer? How was your offseason? Man, I uh, I was talking Yanks a lot. Big Yankees fan, and that that was fun. I, I heard about that. I, it kind of got it. Kind of blew up a little bit. Talking Yank, talking Yanks got got popular, which is weird. I, they like Jimmy, not me. This is actually probably going to tank talking Knicks, but <laughs> Jimmy O'Brien, yes. The, the fan base, good. the fan base is rapidly against me. <laughs> so this this is a bad strategy. They've made no, their but choice. It's, uh, it's uh, it's been a good summer. I moved in with a girl, got a dog. So like times, times are tough. There's Jake, <laughs> Jake grew up this summer. Kenny, how about you? Oh, it's been a good time. I took my my first vacation in the last three, four years. Uh, spent a lot of time at the beach. Can't can't hate that. But now, uh, getting back to it. It's a beautiful thing. Talking about the hardwood. I spent most of the summer uh, kind of unemployed. Right. Uh, I found a job. Just started last week. So, you know, things are good. Things are good with this crew. Um, things not as good with the Knicks. So, uh, <laughs> that's a Jump great into it. Um, good segue. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, pat myself on the back. So, just to set the table a little bit, their record last year was 31 and 51. Um, I'm not sure how indicative that's really going to be of this upcoming season. There were a lot of changes. The biggest one being uh, the loss of their face of their franchise the past seven seasons. Carmelo Anthony, guys, what do you what do you think about uh, what do you make of this loss of Carmelo here, or the trade in general? Um, well, losing Carmelo, I mean, I, I'm I love Carmelo. You know, he came here uh, in an exciting time when we had just gotten Amari Stoudemire. He came over in a trade that you know some question whether it was the right move, um, giving up as many assets as we did. But he, you know. He really brought some life into the garden for a few years, um, and it was great to see. And you know, I love his kind of loyalty. I know a lot of people were upset that he wasn't more willing to to move, but I can't you know fault his loyalty to the Knicks. And um, ultimately, I think it's like kind of the front office said, and like he also said, it, it was the best for him to kind of move on, just because this team is not on the same timeline as he is. Um, he's in the end of his prime, and he's you know, now got a chance to at least contend for, for you know, a spot in the championship with, uh, with Paul George and Russell Westbrook. And that just wasn't going to happen here. And while he was here, you know, we weren't going to have the ability to kind of develop a lot of the young players, you know, the Chris Stops and, and Billy and uh, Frank. So just something that had to happen. But, you know, I'm I, you know, am very grateful for his time that he spent with the Knicks, and you know, I appreciate it. Jake, are yeah. you as sentimental about losing Carmelo? I'm, I'm not fully there, just because I, <laughs> I, so I like Carmelo. You, a lot of Ken, what Ken said is true. There's, there's a chunk of New York Knicks and Carmelo in your heart that 
you should very much appreciate. He's he's an all time great Nick, but <laughs> he uh, I I mean the part that sucks from the basketball standpoint is we've been talking about a mellow trade for what two years now, and now his value was <laughs> a bad contract in Enos Cantor, uh, Dougie Fresh McDermott on. I don't know, his first chance or his last chance, maybe a little of both. So it's from that standpoint, it's tough. I Two things that I've been kind of adamant about, um, one related to this and one not, the one off topic was I, I've kind of been calling that Isaiah Thomas was going to be off the Celtics. I thought he was kind of their weak point. I didn't think they'd get rid of Avery Bradley and those guys. That's another show that's talking Celtics. We hate them. Mm-hmm. But – on the Knicks, I've I've been calling, and I don't know if you guys want to back me up or not, but I've been saying Carmelo Anthony is going to have a rebirth. Where the the thing that we've always defended Carmelo with is he's never played with anyone. His best teammate has been what an age Chauncey Billups. Tyson I mean, an old I, Allen Iverson. I mean, that's look at that team they were second in the East with or third in the East, whatever it was. But it was Tyson Chandler, like. Jason Kidd literally on his way to the bench to coach. Like, that, I mean, that was that, the end of his career, those playoffs. And those, I, I mean, listen, listen to the names Ken just said Paul George and Russell Westbrook. So, I, Carmelo's going to have a rebirth. He's going to be more efficient. The numbers are going to drop a little bit. And of course, he's, he's going to have a couple. He has his faults, right? He's not, he's still going to pull up from 21 feet sometimes and chuck a couple bricks. But Carmelo's going to, there's going to be a rebirth of Carmelo story for a little bit where he's this more efficient team player, blah, blah, blah. When the guy hasn't had too much as, as a team, which is pretty big in basketball. And I'm going to, I'm going to completely agree with you. I think he's going to have kind of a great year this year and be, you know, extremely efficient having these teammates. Cause this is something that, uh, Greg, another pod me- member, uh, says a no lot is that, you know, his, his dream is Team USA Carmelo, where he just catches and shoots, and like he's going to have the opportunity to not have to do everything. Well, you know, we saw in a few games last year, and where end of the game came, he actually passed the ball off to an open teammate, and that open teammate did something stupid. But then the next game, he just didn't pass it. So like, I think he's more a more of a willing passer than people think, and I think you know, as we watched all of the games last year, where people were sending doubles pretty much every game, he's not going to have that this year. So he's just going to be a lot more efficient and. You know, I think he, like Jake said, he's just going to have a rebirth. Yeah, I think Jake's Oklahoma City fan friends are going to love this part. We've kind of gone, I'm more in the good riddance uh, camp. Like, yeah. Carmelo's gone. I'm more concerned how it's going to affect the Knicks. <laughs> I think um, in, in that idea, like, Carmelo was making the Knicks too good to get a top five draft pick, but not good enough to make the playoffs. They're kind of in no man's land. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thankful Carmelo's off the team. He wasn't really... Um, on the same timeline as Porzingis or Frank Nilakina. So, um, yeah, I'm focusing more on, on the Knicks side of it. I think that, you know, bringing Enos Cantor and McDermott, they're both much younger players. They have some upside to them despite um, Cantor's sort of net negative contract. But um, moving on from Carmelo, I want to talk about another uh, key loss that's probably kind of gone under the radar, and that was Derek Rose, who was actually – second on the team in usage. He took the second most shots on the team. Um, He averaged 18 points. And he really dominated the ball whenever Carmelo didn't have it last season. So with him no longer on the team, they're going to be just... A lot more guys are going to have more shots. 
and just it's it's gonna be a completely different offense altogether. So yeah, what do you guys think about uh, Derrick Rose leaving? Yeah, I I mean I think we were all <laughs> very much more good riddance. <laughs> we uh, there's a lot of lament. Is that even a word? But that we didn't trade him for Rubio. I mean even I'm I actually probably like Rubio more than most, but he's still not not really what the team needed. He kind of would have been a good tutor for Frank, but man. Eh, he he had those glimpses where you're like, wow, Derrick Rose can still get to the 10 and he can still be a factor. He's just not efficient. I know, Tom, you, you've got some hot, hot Derrick Rose takes, um, kind of like your your buddy there, Zach Lowe. But, man, Rose, I, yeah, Derrick Rose is trash. I guess here's, here's, what, here's what gets to me, and I know you guys have seen me play basketball, so I, I get nervous saying things like this, but I feel like the Knicks can still put out some – some interesting lineups this year, but almost none of them have a point guard, <laughs> which yeah. I, I feel like none of them have a point guard. I feel like that's, that's, a, that's a big part of basketball. Hot take. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I, I, you know, just adding on to what Jake uh, was saying is that's exactly what I was going to say. The loss of Derrick Rose is not a problem. The fact that we didn't replace him with anyone is a problem. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's weird to say about a guy who was an MVP or an actual MVP, what was it like five or six years ago, but I don't know how he fits in the new NBA with his inability to shoot at all. Like he can't, he can't be that main player anymore because he can't shoot at all. Um, you know, he, I can see him being very useful for the Cavs coming off the bench and, you know, attacking the rim. But, you know, as Tom will most likely point out, he was not great about passing it after he drove to the rim. So, Point it out, Tom. Point it out, Tom. For for all of Derrick Rose's faults, he still put a lot of pressure on defenses and and, and sopped up a lot of offensive possessions that now will have to go to someone else. So, yeah, as as inefficient as Rose is, now it's going to have to be someone else stepping up and taking those shots. So that's going to be the question, and we'll get into that more as we go forward. I'm not saying saying that he's a bad player. I'm just saying that he no longer has the skill set to be – top one or two player on the team yeah he, just, he needs a different role for sure um well, and then, that's why we, that's why we have ron baker to be the next yeah. Derek rose we'll talk about that we'll, talk about, <laughs> we'll, we'll get that, that brood a little bit yeah then the, the last key loss of the offseason and this is another good ridden in the good riddance category was phil jackson and the triangle offense i know you guys have many phil opinions um but he's gone is there anything else you guys need to say about him, or have you vented on, on Phil enough on past podcasts? I just don't know what they were doing, you know? Yeah, they, <laughs> they extended him, and then they fired him, like, a week later. <laughs> I, it was, it was I, the, I mean, the epitome of the Knicks, right? He, didn't, he drafted – did he draft Frank? He drafted Frank. He, so I, he I love Frank, Frank, by the way. I'm, right. And it's, it's funny – I mean, and just some of the Phil stories are horrific. The story where he was falling asleep at a guy's trout or whatever. You're like, what? This is a real human? <laughs> uh, I, so I guess the – and I've I, – I don't want to say I've defended him. I've defended one thing. The dude, the dude drafted pretty well during his tenure with the Knicks. So – and, hey, we, I know Kenny, <laughs> Kenny's going to be in a Damian Dotson jersey soon. Hopefully, I love if, if he hit love on Dan. Frank – if if he hit on Frank, I mean, Frank and Porzingis should be the future of this team for a decade. If 
if Frank is good. So that that would be that would be good. With thanks, Phil, just never come back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let, let's not forget that while we were talking about kind of the return that we got from Carmelo, a large part of that was Phil just like yeah bashing him in the media right before trying to trade him. Like you can't do that. It's business one on one. Yeah, definitely lowered the value or what, what value Melo had left on that uh, big contract. But, um, yeah, so moving on to key additions, we talked a little bit about it before, but the return on Melo was Enos Cantor, who is um, – he was a top-five pick a few years ago. He's extremely skilled offensively and um, just a sieve defensively. And then uh, Doug McDermott, who is a small forward, a sharpshooter, also doesn't play much defense. But um, you guys talked a little bit about them before. Anything else you want to add on, on those two before we move on to uh, on the next draft? It's it, – it's, so a couple statements. I, I said I wasn't happy with the return. At the same time, I'm okay with it because some of the rumors we heard were pretty atrocious. I, I think Knicks fans are going to like Cantor a lot. He, he bangs and he, he plays the top-notch offense, which during the regular season, as you mentioned, my Thunder fans, during the regular season, Cantor's a, a fun guy to have on your team. He's he's going to grab some boards. He he does some fun stuff on offense. Um, like you said, an absolute sieve defensively, which I think that's going to be a theme for a lot of the Knicks players. So, you know, it's – and if you look at some of Cantor's numbers, I, maybe I'll bring him up. I, I'm not normally the stats guy, but um, – Man, some of his PER type stuff, and I think it was two years ago, uh, but I'd have to check. But his his numbers were legit. If this guy ends up getting thirty minutes a night for us, he's going to put up some big numbers. I I think we're going to like Cantor. It'll be interesting to see how well he meshes because we almost have our own Cantor and a young Willie Hernan Gomez. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's going to be very interesting. Big I think. Will Bill, I, I, I think Canner's going to put up some numbers. It's, it's going to be interesting if he meshes and becomes kind of a part of the crew because in OKC, he's a good locker room guy. He's, he's, he gets pretty silly. He defends his boys on Twitter. He does all that new age, new age nonsense. But <laughs> uh, So it's going to be interesting to see, can he, A, either boost his value enough to next year that he's a trade asset for the Knicks with an expiring contract? Or if he's kind of a sunk cost for two years, sieve on defense. Uh, that's a lot on Cantor. Dougie Fresh, man, I, he, he's got, what, 40% from three or 39% from three career in the NBA. He, and, and when he was in Chicago, it just felt like he was, you never knew if he was going to get 10 minutes or 30 minutes. You know, and a lot of the guys on that, on those teams, I don't know if that's a Hoiberg thing or just a, uh, a weird mix, but I, you know, if, if Dougie fresh gets 25 minutes a game and is playing consistently again, I think he'll be a sieve on defense, but the dude can shoot. He's, he's, he's going to have some nights where Nick faithful is very much behind him and other nights when they're probably not, <laughs> but that's, and I guess that's, that's what I got. Just one more thing on Cantor is I know they saw, they said, you know, he lost a lot of weight this off season, season in order to try to, better his defense and be able to stay in front of people. Didn't see much of that during the preseason. Um, just not very good defensively. But he, you know, he was capable of creating his own shot. He was, you know, scoring pretty efficiently. So 
and we'll we'll see what happens there. But the issue is, like Jake said, it's him and Billy both play the same position, and you know, to some extent, Kristaps is in that same spot, and you. You, you got to figure either one of Cantor and Hernan Gomez is, is going to have to lose time or something's going to happen there, which you know, I don't know if it hurts the development or what happens, but like, that's, that's the big concern there is which one kind of shows up and ends up taking most of the playing time. And if, if it's Cantor, you know, he's, he's got you know, a lot of money on the table and Hernan Gomez is under a much better contract. So maybe I'd hate to see Hernan Gomez get traded, but and you know, to the extent he's not playing, it would probably hurt his trade value. But that'll be something to you know, watch out for during during the season to see how that the minutes play out there. Um, and like like Jake said again, uh, Doug can get buckets. You know he can shoot. And uh, we were talking earlier, Tom, about the the Knicks. You know I think you said we're 21st in shooting percentage last year from three, and 21 21st in uh, three point attempts last year. Um, and I think this year that's going to change a lot with the additions of of McDermott and uh, and Tim Hardaway Jr. So before before I, I tee you up a little bit, Tom, so those stats I was talking about from Cantor, the last two years, Cantor's averaged 21 minutes. And last year he got four – in 21 minutes he got 14.7 rebounds per game. Two years ago when he first got traded from Utah to OKC, he was getting – in his 26 games that year, as a 22-year-old in 2014-2015 – 31 minutes, he was getting 19 and 11. <laughs> so Enos is probably going to be on the, the court that much, and you, you start crunching the numbers with Porzingis, Cantor, if Tim Hardaway Jr. can do some of the stuff he did last year. I mean, offensively, this team can can do some fun stuff. So where, where, where are you at, Tom Bone? Well, so Cantor is annually one of the worst passing big men in the league. He just – once he gets it, he's a black hole. He doesn't give it up. But I think that's not a bad thing for this Knicks. Team. Like they need people to take shots. Like they, I mean, Melo took a lot of shots. Derrick Rose took a lot of shots, and so they need people to to be able to you know get the ball at the rim, right? So uh, Cantor can do that, and it's not just Cantor who can't pass. There are a lot of guys on the team who who don't really pass the ball well. Um, but one guy who's hopefully going to remedy that is their new draft pick. Frank Nilakina um, from France. So I know he was kind of a controversial pick. He was taken one spot before Dennis Smith Jr., who some people felt um, like he had the higher upside, more talent. Uh, but Phil drafted Frank as um, more in the mold of the triangle point guard. He's really long. He plays defense. He doesn't need. He doesn't you know run a lot of the, or he wasn't meant to run a lot of the high pick and rolls. He might still be that point guard, but I guess he hasn't shown that. Um, so far, I mean, he was 18 when he was drafted. He just turned 19. He's super young, so I, I'd say he's still got a lot of upside too. But I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say about Frank. Tom, you know I love Frank. All right, he's uh, he's got the three and D potential at the very least. So you know, I I know you just said that people are upset about that they didn't pick DSJ. Let me dispel that right now. You can't pick a guy with two torn ACLs who refuses to give you medical information. You know, he, he didn't give medical information to the Knicks front office, and he had two, he's had two ACL tears. Like, you, they couldn't draft him. It was just an impossibility. Frank, you know, I, it's probably for the best that, you know, they're not really playing for anything this season. Um, he's going to have his ups and downs, but at his absolute bottom, I see him as a, a 3 and D wing. 
You know, if he can't if he can't play point guard, he can shift over to the two three because he's got that size and length, um, and he can be a wing defender. But you know, I have high hopes. He he's more athletic than people give him credit for, and you know, a lot of the questions that people have been asking about him is because no one has seen him play because he was playing pro ball in France while everyone else was getting ready for for the draft. And you know, I don't really understand why people are upset that he didn't play in the preseason, having just finished a professional season. Um, but you know, that's that's people are going to say what they're going to say. I love Frank, and you know, I, I just want to get that out there now before you know he hits it big and everyone jumps on my my bandwagon. Right, 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 right. No one else is expecting anything. No, it's so. I think the the only thing that really concerns me because you're totally right about DSJ. I I don't know. I I see DSJ having an early arc. Similar to Derrick Rose, probably not as high, but again, one more injury and he can almost be deemed useless. So I, the, the part that concerns me when you mention Frank's versatility is that I, I think it'll be good. You know, he'll, he'll have some games this year where he plays off the ball a little more, some games where he plays on the ball. Some games are going to be ugly. Young rookie point guards get abused in this league. <laughs> so I, if, if you're the Knicks, be ready for that. The, the part that concerns me about his versatility is so, you know, Nick's going to, or Frank's going to be on the ball, off the ball, do a little of this, his, his defense. The, the, I guess that's kind of what you were touching about. His, his floor with his size should be low. His, his floor should be a high floor. You mean? A, a high floor, excuse me. He, you know, he should be able to defend. He's, he's got great length and he, you know, he should partially be able to shoot, partially be able to handle the ball. I, I guess the, the part that concerns me is, that, and the reason why he got drafted there was because if he can be a good point guard with that size and length, that's his max potential. He, he can be a 6'6", long guy, can guard two positions, shoot a little, pass. I mean, that would be – that's his max. I'm a little concerned if he doesn't show – because he's going to get bullied a little bit. If he doesn't show enough as a as a point guard, I'm worried that in the coming years he might not get, you know, if a good free agent point guard comes available, that the Knicks say, oh, well, Frank's pretty versatile. Let's bring in this point guard. I'm worried if that would stunt his point guard development or something of that nature. Right now, there's nobody on the team who will stunt him being the point guard. <laughs> so, yeah. To that point, Jake, I think uh... – I had some concerns about that as well, just because, I mean, even if Frank uh, gets a lot of minutes at point guard, he, like we said, he, rookie point guards aren't good. He's not going to be very productive. And I'm wondering if that's going to hurt Porzingis's growth as a player, just because, you know, Frank's going to make his mistakes, and as he should, like, well, you want Frank to, to develop as much as possible, but we also don't want Porzingis to get frustrated with the team to, for them to get blown out every night, create bad habits, too. So I, I think that's another way to look at it. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's tough because <laughs> it's, I don't know, we, we kind of, that Knicks year that they were good, their ball movement was incredible. Um, I mean, that's what really made them special. They would they would get it to the open guy, whether it's Steve Novak, who <laughs> we made into an absolute weapon for a year and a half, which was wild. But if the Knicks can do, and that's where the point guard thing is hurting me, 
because it's it's two things, right? You're, we're saying, okay, it'll be good that Cantor takes some possessions because the Knicks will need someone to take possessions. But if this team were to play a good ball movement offense where you've got guys on the court like, you know, say if there's a lineup that's Courtney Lee, and I'm, I'm going too far, but Courtney Lee, Tim Hardaway, Porzingis, McDermott, and, okay, you got Cantor or Kyle Quinn or someone. I mean, if that team is moving the ball and getting it to the open guy, you've got guys that can get buckets in this league. So, I don't know. I got, I got too far off of Frank Nitty there. He's he's our boy. We're in. <laughs> just, just be careful with a 19-year-old guy from France coming on to the Knicks. Yeah, so probably the biggest acquisition of the summer for New York in terms of just financially was the signing of Tim Hardaway Jr. for that four years, $71 million contract. Um, I just wrote a piece about it on the, the blog, A Lot of Basketball. You can go check that out um, for my thoughts on it. But Yeah, start us out, Tom. Give us a little bit of that. Yeah, I mean, just um, my, my gut reaction was very negative about the contract. I mean, it was for a few reasons. I just, I mean, I didn't, I like the idea of them having mostly like a, a clean payroll going forward aside from that Noah contract. I thought, you know, to build around Porzingis and Nilakina, just to have some uh, financial flexibility just to sign free agents in the future. Um, I thought they, that they should have waited to hire their GM before uh, making any moves, <laughs> which I think is a, you know, pretty standard operating <laughs> procedure there. But um, I, I just also didn't think that uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. had much leverage. It just, the market wasn't great for wings this past summer. Um, I mean, can you? Did he get signed? I mean, did he? Didn't he get signed before all those guys? I don't know if I, I know. Kind of a bunch of the guys that we were talking about, like Jonathan Simmons, and um, there was someone else got signed after him for much cheaper. So I don't know if he was if that was just kind of a panic move by the Knicks trying to get him before someone else signed to a, a offer sheet. But I agree, the the market, you know, looking back now is was not there for for what he got. Yeah, so I I just started to de- did a deep dive into his stats last season in Atlanta and some of his video, and I came away from it actually feeling um, not like it justified the entire contract by any means, but just more optimistic about what Tim Hardaway Jr. is as a player, what he can be. Um, he was super efficient as a catch-and-shoot guy, um, spotting up. I don't know, like I mentioned in the piece, Dennis Schroeder, the point guard for the Hawks, is very good at penetrating the defense and kicking out. Um, I don't think that the Knicks really have anyone to do that so much, but I, I also saw that Hardaway Jr. could uh, come off screens and really and really shoot the ball well um, as a catch-and-shoot guy while moving as well. So that was encouraging. He also just can finish at the rim really well, too. I was surprised to see that. I didn't realize that he was so uh, crafty getting to the rim, being able to finish. And uh, so he wasn't just a one-trick pony. I was encouraged to see that at least. Yeah, here's, yeah. Here's, here's my thing on it was because – and I, I was pulling your chain, Tom, that we, we finally got you on our side, partially just because <laughs> a lot of us were being optimistic Knicks fans just looking for anything. <laughs> so, But Tim Hardaway, his contract isn't terrible. <laughs> it's, I, I, know, I know that doesn't sound positive, but – among shooting guards, he's actually wasn't he somewhere around eleventh contract wise? It's or per year. Again, I know that's a little yeah, skewed. And I think that's, and I think that's how the the Knicks front office uh, framed it. 
Yeah, right, the only but, problem with that justification, though, is just is the context, right? Because like the summer of twenty fifteen, the summer of twenty sixteen, rather, there right. was just a lot more money. So like those contracts, I don't want to say they don't count, but just given what the, all the information that the Knicks had at hand was different. So right. I, I, again, I said in the piece, I thought that giving him that amount per year actually wasn't an issue. It was just the long term nature of the deal and in the player option. The so player even, option is even out if of control. Hardaway, <laughs> even if Hardaway like does play up to that contract. He's going to want to yeah. secure another long-term deal and opt out and get more money from exactly. someone else. So, like, yeah. Loyalty, here's, Tom. Here's, we'll be, we'll, we want yeah. loyalty. No, don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, but so here's, here's the things that have kept me positive. Besides, you mentioned some of THJ's uh, second-half stats where he was, he was a good, a good <laughs> shooting guard, like 18 points per game. But so here's the tricky part is so with the contract, if THJ is their guy, that's the guy that they think is can either take another step or kind of they want to grow with Porzingis, then you go out and get him. I mean, that's that's just what it is. I know there's value wise and things like that, but if they think he's the guy, you go get him. Thirdly, I think another big part of. So Chris Stapp's development, Frank's development, is that you want guys out the t- on the team that help them grow and learn. And honestly, if Ron Baker was getting those 25 minutes, and I, I don't hate Ron Baker, but he's a, a different player than Tim Hardaway Jr., is that, you know, when Frank's kicking out to the corner and Tim Hardaway Jr.'s open instead of Ron Baker, that's a good thing for his growth. If you know, you mentioned some of his advanced stats a little bit, getting into the paint, this, that, and the other. If if the offense is developing and growing with, again, that young nucleus and it's helping Chris Stapps get better, it's helping Frank get better, then, again, it starts to justify it more that I, – I mean, that's one of my big hopes this season is that the offense really starts to click with I, – I mean, there's, there's going to be lumps. Chris Stapps his first time as the one. Tim Hardaway, his first time as the two, a rookie point guard slash no point guards. <laughs> There's going to be growing pains, but I want to see the offense develop because the defense doesn't really have too much hope. <laughs> and just building off of that, I'm surprised that we kind of haven't mentioned it yet, is that one of Timmy's big problems is his seeming inability to play defense, much like the rest of the acquisitions that the Knicks have had. Um, you know, like Tom said earlier, there's going to be a lot of shots available with Derrick Rose and Carmelo Anthony gone, and Timmy is going to be taking a lot of shots. Yeah. Um, having watched some of the preseason games, there was, you know, Timmy was chucking. He was getting up there and he was taking a shot with confidence, and he was making a lot of them, and then he would get back and just not play defense at all. And yeah. you know, that's something that, that you know, in terms of developing team and uh, moving forward, he's going to have to work on because he can't, he can't go be – chucking shots on one end and then celebrating uh, making a three <laughs> while the other team scores on the other end, which happened last game. Again, um, that's just preseason. I mean, I, I think yeah, that, you know, it's, pre, it's preseason, but you, you can't do that. Like, those are definitely bad habits he'll want to break. But I will say in Hardaway's defense is he was a, a big part of the Hawks rotation last year. And the Hawks were a top three or four defensive team. They were fourth in the league in defense last year. So, didn't you say he had the highest plus minus or net 100 or something like that? Yeah, Tom? highest uh, difference in net rating between when he was on the court and when he was off the court. He made the biggest impact. Um, you just smirked. You didn't think I read the article. <laughs> I, I, I was a little surprised, to be honest. <laughs> did not think you read that. Um, so, no, yeah. but yeah, so there's at least some 
It's definitely more risk than they had to put out there contract-wise. But end of the day, it's <laughs> compared to a lot of other things, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, well, it's a low he's bar. Not, he's not a bad player. I think he's overpaid, but he'll be you know he'll be a solid player and he'll he'll put up points. And I think I mentioned to you, you guys earlier today. I think he's going to have a game this year where he puts up fifty because there's not there's not many like people. That. There's not many people taking shots on this team, and if he gets hot, he's going to go off. And he's so far, it looks like he has the confidence to shoot it. And you know, there's no one, no one else on the team really taking shots. And maybe if Chris Steps is out of game, like he's launching yeah. 50 shots. So. Well, Kenny, the, the bold predictions part of the podcast is coming later, so save <laughs> save those. Uh, but um, my bad. So, but my you bad. did just. I'm surprised we've gone this far without really diving into the most important player on this yeah. team. The most important storyline on this team is, is the development of Chris Depp's Porzingis. Um, just now being the number one option, how is he going to be able to create his own offense? Um, how is he going to be in a more pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop sort of offense versus the, the triangle last year? And how he'll be able to develop defensively, um, protecting the rim. He wants to be a four chasing around a lot of small, uh, smaller power forwards. So I'm curious, just general takes from you guys, where is Chris Stapps going to be this upcoming season as a player? So because they have, you know, Cantor and Hernan Gomez and Kyle O'Quinn and Joakim Noah, it doesn't bother me that he wants to play for, at least for this year, um, because all of those guys will have to you know, be banging in the post um, and he'll be kind of, what I would like to see um, a little more of it, from Kristaps, even though you know he said he wanted to play for, is him posting up. Because what you've been seeing, you know, the end of last year and in the preseason this year, is people are throwing much smaller defenders on him and just letting them guard him. The Celtics guarded him with Marcus Smart, and he couldn't do anything against him. Like he brought Marcus Smart into the post and just couldn't score. So, you know, they're not in a hurry to do anything this season other than develop. So, I think they need to just get him some shots in the post when he. He gets those younger defenders. Um, overall, like you know, like we've said many times in this podcast, is that there's a lot of shots to go around, and he was taking, you know, I think second or third most shots on the team last year, and he's going to add maybe four or five extra shots this year uh, per game. And you know, I'd just like to see him try to develop using those shots, you know, whether it's working on his one-on-one skills or attacking the, the rim off the dribble or posting up. I just like, like them to be productive shots, whether they go in or not. Yeah. He's like, like I said, I'm, I'm somewhat throwing defense out the window for this year. Cause I, I still want one more high lotto pick anyways, man. Chris Tapp's Porzingis is good. I know we, we just ranked our top 50 players the other day and I, I think I was a little higher on him than a couple guys. Just, I mean, this, so he's 22. So he's, he's going, going into his third year. I mean, he, he improved everything from the year before. I, he's, he's obviously going to have a, a t- more of a target on his back without Melo. Um, probably get some, a couple tougher defensive assignments. The, the defense is going to be game planning for him. But, I mean, with the more shots, I mean, this guy's going to average at least 20. <laughs> he, his, his baseline this year is like 28 <laughs> and two blocks, which is pretty wild. I, I mean, and, <laughs> again, 
I laughed when Ken said he was getting smaller defenders because, well, he's seven three, so that's <laughs> that's that's Everybody. gonna have to that's gonna have to happen. But no, he's right. I, you'd like to see his post game come a little bit, and maybe they can do some high low stuff with Cantor, even though he's he's a black hole, like you mentioned. Man, I I don't know. I I start getting a little <laughs> I start getting a little emotional and can't detach because. This, this guy's a special player, and he's someone that the Knicks can build around. I think all the – I think he turned on Phil, too, at obviously not going to the exit interview and just being Team Mellow like pretty much all of New York was. Man, th- this guy's going to be good. He – it'll be – it will be interesting to see if he does have a slow start or something along those lines. The New York media is going to come at him a little bit and say he can't be the one option, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. I I don't know, man. If this, if this guy made the jump he did from rookie to sophomore year, you're looking at like 22, 10 in like three blocks and, you know, shoots – could shoot – you know, high thirty percent from three. I don't know. This, I, I love Kristaps. Kristaps made a lot. I got to tap out. Yeah, he made a lot of progress between his rookie and sophomore seasons. Um, I will. I was saying before. I think that without the point guards, he's going to need to create a lot more of his own offense. So I just pulled up a couple stats here. This past season, Kenny mentioned he needs to get better in the post. Kristaps uh, used about fourteen percent of his plays on post ups, and he he scored point eight points per possession that was in the 30th percentile so he was in the bottom third of the league in post-up efficiency and then I think he's gonna need to score more in isolation too right they're gonna like in the the Carmelo mold he's going to have to we're gonna have to dump him the ball and he's have to go to work more often than he did in the past two seasons and last year he only did that eight percent of the time eight percent of his possessions were used in iso and he was in the 28th percentile so he was one of the worst among the worst players in the league on a isolation scoring so uh, on post-ups and isos i think he's gonna get more of both of those and he's just gonna he's shown the ability to improve and i think he's really gonna have to do that in those two areas i feel like we're you know we're, we're letting off a negative vibe on chris Dobbs. i love chris Dobbs. i just want to want to get that out there uh we're just just want to point out like where he needs to improve and if he's going to be kind of that next level level unicorn that people talk about yeah i mean his role is just gonna be different this year I, yeah. I i like i love him as a player too it's just um, he's gonna need to keep continue improving. That's not <laughs> yep. you know impossible. He's like you say, he's so young. Um, but one one concern I do have for him has been his health. He's kind of been up and down. He's he's a big guy. He's a big guy, and uh, that d- doesn't usually bode well for for injuries. So I mean, w- I mean, one Chris Stapp's injury is like the worst thing you could even conceive of. It's a worst case scenario for this team. Yeah. But uh, I mean, that's just something to look out for, right? That's something. I mean, I'm sure he does everything he can uh, getting in the weight rooms and um, the trainers try and keep him healthy, but that's just something to, to keep an eye on, I think. Yeah, and with the new schedule, and I mean, again, Knicks fans aren't going to be mad if he sits a night because they're, we're not trying to win the title this year. I, I think, and something that we've, I, we've been dancing around is, you know, three basketball guys talking, talking Knicks, I, this year's going to be huge for Hornacek. I mean, does he, does he really have the young guys on his team? Can he? Can he get the ball to Chris Stapps, Tim Hardaway, Cantor, <laughs> um, without it just being an isolation, um, Mike Woodson type offense? <laughs> right. You know, so it's it, that that's going to be interesting because, like I said, I mean, if you put out a lineup of Courtney Lee, Tim Hardaway Jr., 
again, I'll put Doug out there for now because we're playing offense, not defense. Uh, Chris Stapps and then either Cantor or, you know, Willie. A lot of guys talented offensively. So how are you going to move the ball with those guys? Uh, you know, is Tim Hardaway Jr. going to have the, the ball in his hands a lot? Is someone like Courtney Lee going to play more of a hybrid point guard type role this year? Or, I mean, are they just going to throw everything out and, <laughs> you know, Tim Tim and Chris Stapps go do a pick and roll? If something good happens, cool. If not, <laughs> that's, the, that's the offense. Right. So. And I think we're we're so used to in the the modern NBA of you know you get you get shooters outside and then you either run a pick or roll or you run an ISO and then you can dish to the shooters. We don't have the personnel to kind of attack the rim, um, so you know I think Hornacek is going to find have to find a way to get a half court offense where there's a lot of movement, a lot of ball movement, um, and people getting open you know, off the ball rather than on the ball, which but you know, it's going to be a tall task just because that's not how the NBA is built anymore. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and J- Jake was talking lineups a little bit there, so I just want to throw this out to you guys. What you what do you think the starting lineup is going to be? I I sort of had a guess that it was going to be starting Ramon Sessions at point guard, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. at shooting guard, Courtney Lee as sort of like a third guard, small forward type, and then uh, Porzingis and Cantor at forward and center. Do you guys think that sounds about right to start the season? I'd say so. Um, you, you know, Frank is not ready to start off as the point guard. Maybe if he develops a little bit, he can take over that role midseason. And you know, he's going to be playing a lot of point guard just because they have so much depth at you know two and three and none at point guard. So um, that's a possibility. There's also the possibility that Billy takes over from uh, Cantor at center. Um, and I honestly don't think that's a terrible idea. Just so you have Cantor scoring off the bench and you give a little a few more shots to to Porzingis and THJ while while uh, he's off the court um but other than that I think that's probably where they're headed with Sessions uh, Hardaway Lee Porzingis and either Cantor yeah. or Hernan Gomez yeah the, the Cantor Hernan Gomez thing is interesting because Cantor's kind of used that six-man role before which you know not all guys are used to but I, th- I think you want to get him in there and get him going for about 30 minutes a night to start to see what he can do in a starting role again. Cause again, he's got some numbers that are pretty, pretty special. And again, I'm, I'm more on boost Cantor's value <laughs> so we can either trade him next year or something along those lines. I, the, the point guard thing is going to be interesting. I mean, is what's Ramon sessions got left. What does Jared Jack's corpse have left? What does, what can Frank develop into? And you wonder, you know, is it going to turn into one of those things that Ramon session starts, but is really only playing 12 minutes a game. And then they're running a lot of things through Courtney Lee or THJ or something like that. I, I, I don't know. I think everyone's hopeful that Frank <laughs> is ahead of what we think his schedule is. and <laughs> He could get out there, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm surprised. Because Jared Jack's been hurt a lot the last two years, I get that. But he's, I mean, he seems like a guy that's going to end up on the coaching sideline pretty soon. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get some starts, no? I think there's still some talk about him not even making the team. Uh, Which could make a lot of sense, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> it wouldn't make most teams. 
<laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, just last season he only played two games. I think that might have been an injury thing. The season before that he played 32 games. I think he's had two two pretty serious injuries late in his career as not a great basketball player. And I think he's 34 now. So, like, yeah, yeah it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't make the team. And just – I yeah, I'm having a hard time getting off the, the point guard thing. Just to go back to Ramon Sessions, he uh, played last year in Charlotte. He played 50 games started one of them. He played 16 minutes a game for the 36 win Charlotte Hornets who did not make the Eastern Conference playoffs. It's just like now he's our starting now he's the Knicks starting point guard. That's that's pretty rough. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it, that's just it, the reality. Step up. You you know how hard I was on the Knicks to get Shelvin Mack, <laughs> which yeah. which is pathetic in a couple ways. <laughs> um so you know, and man, you say that, and that makes me think if I'm if I'm the head coach, Jeff Hornacek, I, at a certain point, you got to say positionless basketball or say I got to get my best guys on the court. So I I wouldn't be shocked to see, you know, the Courtney Lee, the, the lineup I keep referencing, Courtney Lee, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dougie Fresh, Porzingis, and Cantor, because at least that, that team offensively should be pretty sound. Uh, again, d- defense pretty much out the window the whole year for me. I want to make it pretty, you know, I just want to state the fact that Sessions and Jack were not brought in to play basketball. They were brought in, <laughs> they were brought in to mentor uh, Frank Nelikina. So, you know, it's, you know, because we have no one else to, because we signed Ron Baker to the equivalent of the mid-level exception, um, we don't have anyone else to play. So now they're being forced to actually play basketball rather than just, you know, be a coach on the sideline for Nelikina. Um, but I, I agree with Jake that I think this is going to kind of devolve into a lot of, you know, Timmy or Courtney Lee initiating the offense. Yeah. So I heard a Knicks beat writer on a podcast yesterday and he was talking about how he expects Michael Beasley to actually play a decent amount of minutes. Cause he's one of the few guys on the roster who can just go out and create his own shot, um, in ISO situations get to the rim, draw fouls, because this is a team that was among the worst in the league at drawing fouls and getting to the free throw line last year, which is a huge part of winning, obviously. So um, do you guys think Beasley is going to see some minutes in the wing? By by the way, Ron Baker, 13 starts last year. So don't don't count your boy out. But, yeah, Beasley's going to be interesting. I mean, he he came into New York hot, calling himself the lefty mellow, (laughs) and – you know he's he's kind of had this wild roller coaster of a career a little bit. This, you know, kind of still uber talented. He still can't really shoot, but I think he got a little better last year. Um, very you know, few attempts. Very few attempts. Right, right, right. Just the high, but yeah. But man, he's still a dynamic player. He could still be kind of mean, and that's where. So you know, you start thinking best case scenario or. <laughs> My best case scenario is they still play pretty bad and get a high pick. But um, best best case scenario basketball-wise, if this team plays team basketball, they've got a glutton of kind of unique bigs. Beasley plays a very unique game. Um, you know, Chris Stapps is the unicorn. And then they've got some big guys. You know, does Joe Kim Noah have anything left, even as a def- possible defensive presence if they want to win games? Um, Willie and Cantor can both do some unique big stuff on offense. You know, is THJ that next level player we've talked about? 
Courtney Lee, you kind of know what he is. <laughs> is he the only guy in the Knicks we know what he is? <laughs> he's kind of a – he's an okay two-way guard. <laughs> and, you know – A bunch of guys that we know are can, bad. Can, yeah, exactly. Can, you know, can Dougie Fresh getting consistent minutes keep that 40% three-point shooting type number? So when, if this team does play a, a good ball movement, get the open guy the shot, and kind of like that that fun – competitive Knicks team I mentioned with Steve Novak and it was kind of like just move the ball around who's there I you know this team could be a very fun (laughs) unique team again still on offense I I I've tempered everything on Beasley I feel like there's going to be a couple (laughs) maybe a couple podcasts when we're like yeah Beasley shot 25 times last night and that's (laughs) not what we need to be doing (laughs) But I, you know, Beasley. I was saying this before that the the two wild cards for me are are Beasley and and Damian Dotson. Um, the the issue for both of them is, but going to be you know, depth at the position that they play. And you know, I think that Beasley's issue is going to be if Kristaps is only going to play the four, then you know what is that going to push him down to the three? Uh, whereas in the modern NBA, he's probably more suited to be you know a. Uh, more mobile for um, I, I would find it, it to be an interesting lineup to have Ennis Cantor playing center and Beasley uh, playing at the four if Chris Dops is out. But again, the question is where's is he going to get his minutes and at what position um, are they going to go ultra tall and have, you know, one of Hernan Gomez and Cantor and then Porzingis and, and Beasley like that, that I, I would find that interesting. And, you know, there's no reason to, not experiment when we're not really expecting to do anything. Um, but there's, there is a possibility that he gets lost in the shuffle just because he's on a one-year contract and they really don't have much invested in, in him. Um, whereas they'd rather develop the younger players. And then, uh, you know, similar with Damian Dotson is there's a lot of people that play his position and, but he's shown kind of the ability to potentially develop into a three and D guy. Um, I, you know, I want to compare him to, you know, a, a young, Danny Green, who you know they both got drafted at a very similar position, and now uh, the Knicks just narrowly missed out on Danny Green a couple year, years ago, trying to bring him home to to New York. Um, but I think both of those players could either you know end up getting a lot of minutes if you know one of the players um, in front of them either goes down or gets traded, uh, or they could end up just not playing it at all and wasting away on the bench. So we'll we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how the minutes shake out. All right, guys. We've gone a little long here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna cut to prediction time here. How many how many wins do you think the Knicks are gonna finish with, um, and like kind of where they'll they'll rank in the in the East? Their uh, their over under in Vegas was set at thirty point five, and that was before Melo left. But I think it hasn't changed since. So I think they were kind of factoring in the possibility of him leaving yeah. into that number. So so thirty point five is the number. Uh, Jake, I'll start with you. Uh, you, you taking the over or the under there? I'll. So they won thirty-one last year. I guess I'm going to take the under because, like, like I said, with a lot of new pieces, this team doesn't necessarily want to win anything. <laughs> um, and my, <laughs> it's tough for me to get the fan cap on time because, right? I want to see this team do good things, but I also want to see them with the top five pick. I. I'll go I'll go under and here's my my ideal season is that the Knicks come out and play solid basketball 
then around December, when the season really hits its stride, the Knicks just start getting killed by teams. They have like a terrible stretch. And then kind of around the all-star break, they start playing decently again. It shows that like, you know, it shows <laughs> Tim Hardaway Jr., Chris Stapps, Frank, they're showing some chemistry and some growth. And then the end of the year, you know, lose every game again, get the highest pick you can. That That's my dream next season. I'm going to say with all the new pieces and <laughs> some of the not-so-good pieces, the Knicks are under that number. Um, I'm going to be more optimistic. I'm going to say they're going to be over, but just slightly. Um, I think they you know, are not as bad as people think they are, um, and they have a lot of pieces on offense, and there's going to be nights where, they're, where everyone just goes out there and clicks, and they're going to be shooting a lot of threes between uh, – Timmy, Courtney Lee, uh, McDermott, Porzingis, Damian Dotson gets out there. You know, they have a lot of guys that are going to shoot threes, and there's going to be nights where they can just go out there and you know, outscore opponents, and they're going to need to because they can't stop anyone. Um, but I think that's only going to get them to you know, the 33 win mark is what my guess would be, where I would set the line. Um, but you know, I think the big thing is, this is an entirely different team from last year. You know, they, they lost Mello and they lost Derrick Rose, who are very integrated into the offense. So they're going to struggle to begin with, and I have very little doubt about that. But I think as the season progresses, they're all going to kind of start understanding their roles and they're going to, they're going to be a better team down the stretch. You're taking them two wins better than last year. Um, I think I'm going to go ahead and, and just pound that under. I, yeah, I just don't think they're going to be able to stop anybody. I don't know how their defense got any or much better. Um, you know, their their rim protection last year. I didn't. I should have talked about Porzingis was actually pretty was actually good last year. Um, but the problem was just at the point of attack at, at the point guard spot. They couldn't in the perimeter. They couldn't stop penetration. And I don't think it's going to be much better this year. Um, so yeah, just defensively, I think they're going to be a train wreck. Offensively. They actually weren't even that bad last year. Um, they'll probably take even a step back. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take that under pretty hard. And I think they're going to end up with a better pick because of it. So, um, you know, there's a silver lining there. Last year, the three teams that were worse than them in the East were the Magic, the Sixers, and the Nets. Um, I think a lot of people are expecting the 76ers to be substantially better. I think the Bulls and the Pacers will have dropped a fair amount. The Bulls will definitely be worse than the Knicks. And then... Yes. I, I think I'm expecting the Knicks to finish around 13th. 13th in the East. Um, where they were last year. They were 12th. I think they were 12th last year. Yeah, they were 12th. So, yeah, the, the Magic, oh. the Sixers, and the Nets were all, were all worse. Um, but, yeah, like the Nets are expected to be a little better. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna go with 13th in the East. I don't know if you guys have a have a take there. I'm I'm the more optimistic one. I I and I guess by being more optimistic, I'm I'm pessimistic pessimistic because they're not gonna make the the playoffs and they're not gonna get a good pick. But I I see them being you know in that 10 11 if they can if they start just kind of going with an actual NBA offense instead of the triangle and uh, you know develop a little bit offensively. I mean, we know they're not going to stop anyone, but I think they're going to they're going to outscore some teams. And there's a lot of really bad teams in the NBA, so they're going to pick up some wins in those games. 
That's yeah. You, you guys got me. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, this has been good, thorough, thorough job for. Uh, well, we had a lot to talk about though. Um, a very eventful off season, but yeah, we'll we'll be checking back in. Hopefully, just about every week and um, seeing how how our predictions do, and uh, yeah, how this next team will be this season should be fun. Next day, let's go. Let's go, Knicks. All right, guys. Bye. Ball and Play 2 presented by DraftKings is underway. Head over to our Warehouse Games channel to see all the action from Ball and Play. Get some skin in the game and download the DraftKings app right now. Don't forget to use our promo code WAREHOUSE. That's promo code WAREHOUSE only at DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours.